You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mom Halo podcast. I'm your host, Alana Kafitz, and I'm super excited to have a friend and mentor and just overall genius in our audience today, our in our studio today. Everyone, let's give a warm Mom Halo welcome to our friend, Tia Slightham. Woo! Hi, Hi Tia. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Oh my God, we have been trying to record this for, I feel like months and we just have to keep moving the date. So I know, I think I moved it three times. It's okay. It's okay. You're a busy woman. So Tia, why don't you just, for people who don't know who you are, take us through who you are, what you do and where you're from. Go for it. Yeah. My name is Tia Slidem. I am actually a parenting coach. I'm the owner of Tia Slidem Parenting Solutions and the Parenting with Purpose Method, which is my method where I take parents from exhaustion and overwhelm and frustration and feeling like they're failing parenting to a place where they can parent feeling really super calm and confident and connected to their kids. So that is my jam. That is what I love. That's what I get to do every day, which is the best job in the planet. Um, Next to being a mom, which is the all-time best job that I have. Um, I have two boys. Hudson is 13. My youngest, my baby, Beckett, just turned 11 in June. So I'm a busy mom of two boys who are like men in my home now, which is a whole nother uh, ball game. Um, And I've been working with kids and families for over 18 years. I'm originally from Portland, Oregon. I met my husband in Las Vegas, which is a whole nother story for a whole nother time. And I've been in Canada now for 15 years. So that's basically me in a nutshell. I love it. Tia, walk us through. When somebody is calling you right now, what's their chief complaint? Why is somebody calling you now, Tia Slider? Yeah, the the main reasons, the two main reasons why people call me um, are because they're tired of yelling because their kids don't listen and they really need to sleep like they cannot function. And, and they ultimately think that they they need to solve sleep in order to stop yelling, which is true. But we actually need our kids to listen before we can stop yelling and we need to stop yelling to get our kids to listen. And we need our kids to sleep before we can do all of that. And so when parents call me with a specific challenge or frustration, what I what I try to explain to them and what everybody has to know is that we're not focusing on that specific challenge that we're seeing, that specific challenge that we're seeing, that frustration we're feeling, the things that are making us want to pull our hair out every single day and that lead us to going to bed in tears. Those are just the symptoms. Those are the symptoms to the actual problem. And so parents are typically trying to solve the symptoms, get their kids to sleep, get their kids to eat, get them to potty train, get them to do homework, to turn off their screens, to to not cry when you say no to ice cream. These are all the symptoms that we're trying to solve. And that's why parents aren't having success because we need to actually backtrack it. We need to find the root problem, why the behaviors are happening, where it's coming from, where it's stemming from. Um, And that's typically our parenting. And that's not to put judgment on anybody or make you feel bad about what you're doing. But our child's behaviors are direct reflection of our parenting. And so we really want to start by shifting our parenting to then naturally shift our child's behavior instead of trying to force our kids to do or don't do things. 
I love it. Tia, take us through. When we talk about a direct reflection of our parenting, give me like a concrete example of something that, because, you know, when you have a kiddo and parent, which most of our audience is, there's no handbook that comes with this. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the thing that we can do at the very basic level to help make, let's say example, make our kids listen better. What's the first thing we can do? Yeah. The first thing we have to do is we have to bring awareness to what we're currently doing. So a lot of times we don't, we're not even aware of what we're doing and why it's causing our kids to act out more and listen less. So one of the things that parents typically do is remind. We remind and remind and remind until we're blue in the face. We don't want to hear our own voices. Your voices might sound like how mine does today when you remind too often. Mine is not from reminders. I don't know what's going on with mine. But what happens is when we remind and remind and remind, we do a couple of things. We teach our kids that they don't need to listen the first time because mom's going to come back and remind me 92 times, which for one is awesome because mom's coming back to me 92 times. She's giving me attention. She's giving me the power. I'm in control because I don't listen. I gain power. Mom comes back into my face. Um, And then we also decrease their power bucket, which is one of their emotional needs, because every time we remind, we tell them, we don't think you're capable. You're not capable of doing it the first time. We don't actually think you're going to succeed at doing this. So we've got to come back and remind you and remind you because you're not capable. So we basically take away their emotional needs, which causes them to act out more. And we teach them through our parenting and through our reminders that our kids need to listen less and act out more to get those reminders. And so that's where we want to bring awareness into what we're currently doing throughout our days that are causing our kids to listen less. Yeah. To, to walk us through your buckets, because that's sort of part of your signature package. What is an emotion bucket? Or You just referred to one of them. I can't remember which one. But it just, yeah, I know, I know you know your buckets are your yeah. sort of je ne sais quoi. Go for it. Yeah. We... In order to know why behaviors are happening, where they're coming from, what's the root cause, we need to actually do what I call check off our child's behavior needs roadmap. So we want a simple strategy, a simple roadmap as busy moms and busy parents where we can really like check, check, check and move on with our day. And so what we need to do is we need to, one, look at the basic needs box, which is our child's need for sleep, nutrition, and security. Security, what falls under there is transitions, worry, anxiety, um, being overwhelmed by their day. And so we really need to make sure that our kids are sleeping really well, that they're not over hungry. We all know overtired and over hungry humans are very hard to be reasoned with, even adults. Um, and so that's sort of like that basic needs area. And then we lead into that emotional needs area. This is an area where parents are usually not even really aware of it unless they've heard somebody speak about it or they've read about it in a book. But our kids have these two emotional needs buckets. I like like you to envision them as being big red buckets that float above your child's head, whether they're two years old or 18 years old, it doesn't matter. Even you as a mom have these emotional needs buckets. Um, And one of the buckets is power and the other bucket is attention. So the power bucket is your child's need to feel confident capable, to fit in in your family, to fit in in the world? What's their place? And so if your child is lacking confidence, power, control, uh, a sense of capability, our kids are going to act out more because they're not feeling good about who they are. The attention bucket, yes, our kids want attention. And you're probably saying, holy shit, I give my kids too much attention as is. How can I even give them more? My life revolves around them. The key is, is we need to give attention from their perspective. Um, And so what we need to do is 
we need to know that, yes, we're going to drive to birthday parties and plan and organize and play dates and grocery shop and laundry. And we're going to do all of these things. Um, but that's part of your job description. In order to meet your child's attention needs, it needs to be from the other end of the spectrum, which is from their perspective. We need to kind of meet them in the middle, if, if you will, so that they feel like they're getting their time. Because all of those other things are your job description, it's not time for them. It's not attention for them. And so I use a simple strategy called golden time. Um, in my Instagram, there's often a free link in my bio. If it's not there, there's another free guide. If you want Instagram, DM me, we will send it to you. Um, but this is basically a 10 minutes a day for busy moms to spend time with their kids to start filling up their power and attention buckets. Is it the only thing you need to do? No. Will it make a change? Yes. You were literally the first person who ever taught me or that I learned from uh, about this idea of dedicated attention filling. So I think this is like, I, uh, this is like an, I, I'm going to asterisk this one and underline it three times because this is a game changer for my kiddos. My kiddos are um, now turning six, now turning four, and now turning two. And so much of my basic parenting moments really did come from this moment here. So now when this podcast drops, we're going to be closer to maybe the end of summer or beginning to school. So let's switch gears a bit. Let's say summer's happening now. Kids are a little bit loosey goosey with their schedule, <laughs> birthday parties, swimming, summer camps, these sorts of things. How do we switch? How do we get to where it's, you know, I don't want to say it's school preparedness, but we got to get back into that academic frame of mind and start winding down the summer jollies, if you will. What's your top go-to tips, Tia, to get people ready for? Yeah. Yeah. So what we want to do is we want to be proactive in our parenting. So typically what we do as parents is we wait for a fire to happen and then we try to put it out with whatever tool we can, we can grasp. But what we need to do is we need to proactively parent. That means set the stage for success. That means learn to avoid unwanted behaviors, not wait for them to happen and then try and squash them. And so when we think about summer and leading back into school, we're not starting the night before school to get our kids back on track. You are setting yourself up for failure. You are setting your kids up for failure. For parents who keep a pretty general routine summer and school year, you're going to have less of a hard time transitioning back. For those parents who let schedules fly out the window, not my recommendation, but I think from time to time we do need that. Uh, but if you're doing that consistently over the course of a two, three month summer, you're going to have a harder time. So you want to start even more early getting prepared for this. So we want to one, get our kids back into a sleeping routine. So if your kids are going to bed late and waking late, we need to start getting them to bed earlier at least two weeks ahead of school starting, at least two weeks. So start backing up bedtime by 15 minutes every two nights so you can get them back to a place where they're going to bed at a reasonable time. If your kids are sleeping in in the morning, that's fine in the summer, but school, it's not fine. So you're going to be waking them up. They're going to be losing hours of sleep in the morning. Your mornings are going to be hell. You're going to not be able to get them out the door. You're going to hate life. And you're going to be like, why the hell am I living this? What's happening? And that's because you need to proactively get them to bed earlier. So set your alarm right now for two weeks ahead of school going back as a minimum and start backing your bedtime up. So that would be my first tip because that is an area where a lot of parents struggle is the sleep department heading back into school. Yeah, for me, that's a hard one. Just from the circadian rhythm of the summer's days being longer, it's hard to say to your kids at 7.30, it's bedtime when the sun is fully bright and kiddos and mm -hmm. ice cream trucks are roaring. So 
just to, let's, let's just finesse that one a bit more. If your kids are, let's say grade school under the age of 10, what would be an appropriate time you think to push bedtime? And when the sun's still bright, how, how do we take it back to you? What do you think? Yeah. So I am a parent who, whether it was light or dark, my kids went to bed because I wasn't going to be able to control months and months of that. So the things we can do for parents who want their kids to still go to bed early is to use blackout shades. I don't care if you take black garbage bags up, do whatever you need for the summer and then pull them back down or order blackout shades, whatever works for you. But you need to create a little bit of darkness for your kids so that they can calm down. Um, If you're going to push bedtime out, there isn't a magical time for kids to go to bed or to wake up. It's really what works for you and your family. So if your kids are tantruming all day long and melting down and the days are hell because you've stayed up late at night, then you get to choose. Do I want to live like that or do I not? I don't. I really, really don't. So I would rather put my kids to bed early and have an enjoyable day. So I would back it up a little bit. If you feel like you can push it by 30 minutes and your kids are still happy during the day and you're having a great time, totally fine. Back it up two weeks before school starts. I love that. Yeah, no, I, all the conversations I've been having all summer long have been really about people's kiddos going to bed at like extremely late bedtimes. So we'll see how that goes. It's a great piece of advice. Okay, let's move on to your next piece of advice, preschool. What do we do for two weeks, Tia? Go for it. Yeah. So what we want to do to lead back into those school days is one, set the stage like we talked about, work on bedtime, but also go back to routines. We don't have the same routines in the summer. Camp looks different than school. You don't need to be ready in the same degree. You don't have homework coming home. It's much, much different. So I want you to think about whether or not you have a set um, series of what I call three C's boundaries, concrete, clear, and consistent. What do you need your kids to do to be ready for school in the morning? Whether you have a five-year-old or a two-year-old or a 13-year-old, what do you need your kids to do? And think about that before the first day of school. Write it down so you know what you need to teach them. Once you write it down, you know what your boundaries are. Your list of what they need to do are the boundaries you need to teach. And I say teach because you can't just write down, pack your backpack, get dressed, brush your teeth, do your water bottle and plop it on a wall and hope that your kids are going to be successful. They won't. They most likely will push back or they'll do it one day and push back. We want you to have success throughout the year. So we need to create our boundaries put it on age appropriate charts for younger kids, pictures with words for older kids. They might just be writing their lists and then teach, train and practice. That means go through it, role model it. You pretend to be them, show them how you want it done. They can pretend to be the mommy. You can ask them questions. Now they can be the expert and say, no, mommy, you need to do it this way. We really need to teach, train and practice. The reason you do that is we all need insurance that our kids know how to do it. Because if we know that they can do it and they know that we know they can do it, there's no reason to power struggle with them in the morning because you've already gone through it and you've already practiced it. If you write a list and plop it on the wall, you have zero insurance. Your kids can push you till the cows come home. Even if you know they can do it, they haven't proved it to you yet. And so it gives them a lot of power in a negative way if you're battling with them. So teach, train, and practice um, and really have that seri- that system of routines and, and the, your consequences, or not your consequences, sorry, your boundaries in place so that you can have an easy morning. Uh, I think that's really important. The three C's are crucial, I think, to make sure the mornings are super smooth. And maybe, you know, it's even hard to even get your head wrapped around September or back to school if you're living in Canada, where back to school is usually in September. But those things are super crucial. Now, if we can keep those things as clear, concise, and concrete over the course of the summer, obviously the return to school is way better. So, depending on when you're listening to this, sooner, faster, more consistent, more clear is great. I love the idea of role-playing. 
That's really great, Tia. Is there any more pieces of advice you have for us that we can discern before we return back to school this summer? Yeah, I want I want everybody to know that in order to make changes, we have to actually make changes. And so a lot of times parents will come to me complaining and sad and frustrated, but not willing to actually make a change. And so it's important for parents just to ask themselves, was last September a success for me? Was it easy? Was it consistent? Was it was it battle-free? Or did I kind of battle through the school year every, all day, every day, throughout every morning was a grind, homework was a grind, whatever the case may be. And if so, then we want to make changes. And we're not looking to like rip the carpet out from you and change your whole world. And now your world can never have swim parties and you can never stay up late and you can't. That's not the point. The point is for us to make some small changes so that you get some big results. But just asking themselves is what I was doing before working. And if not, then reaching out to somebody, whether that be me or somebody else who you really trust and and feel connected to, to make some of those changes. And now a word from our mom, Halo podcast sponsor. Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Kids and Company is Canada's leading provider of childcare with over 100 locations across the country and in the United States. They're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year. And with 20 years of experience in the childcare space comes a ton of innovation in how they cater to their families. They have in-classroom webcams, an app that provides daily updates for parents, a from-scratch menu, and wonderful high-quality educators. These are just a few of the amazing things about Kids and Company. My daughter attends one of their centers and I can vouch for how incredible they are, far beyond others we've attended. They're offering families who register and start care by July 31st, 2022, a waived registration fee. That applies to new registrations only. Call their team at one eight six six my kidco to register for this offer. You won't regret it. Still dealing with leaky diapers? It's time to try Rascal and Friends. Designed with you and your little one in mind, Rascal and Friends Premium Diapers ticks all the boxes. Affordable, safe on sensitive skin, deliciously soft and super absorbent. Plus, their unique design provides up to 12 hours of leak production to keep your baby comfy and dry day and night. Join the thousands of parents making the switch and say goodbye to leaks. Shop Rascal and Friends premium diapers, training pants, and sensitive wipes at Walmart today. So let's run through some of the things that I see popcorning up in conversations. So it could be maybe parents, um, what I'd want to say, coming out of the COVID lifestyle, not necessarily knowing how to handle. So I'm going to run over some three, three topics and I just want you to riff. So the first one is the idea of sleepovers. I'm hearing a lot about sleepovers right now. What's your take on sleepovers, Tia? I don't think there's anything wrong with a sleepover if you have some boundaries around it. So things that I find are the the scariest for sleepovers are the idea around technology. So if you don't trust your kids with technology and you don't have some concrete, clear, consistent boundaries around technology, as your kids get older and they have phones at their, at their, you know, fingertips and they have this ability to search and Google and do things. I think that's the scariest thing for sleepovers. I think it can be really fun for younger kids to have sleep unders. So you get, have a friend come over, you have pizza, you put on your jammies, you do the popcorn, you watch a movie and you stay up late, but then the parent picks them up and they go home and they go to bed. So for younger kids, I sleep, I think a sleep under can be a lot of fun for older kids. I think it's great to have those sleepovers 
sleepovers to understand you can sleep away from home. You can build the confidence to wake up at somebody else's house. Things aren't the same as yours. And I think there's a lot of positives. It's around the technology that I think is the scariest piece right now for those kids. Yeah. The late over is a new one for me. And my kid is barely not even six yet. And I love that idea, staying up late at somebody's house, having all those moments and then picking them up at nine o'clock, right? Not actually doing the full sleepover. It's, they're just too young, in my opinion. Yeah, too young. Um, I love that. Yeah, I can imagine with your kids sort of, you know, being teens and preteens, how scary that must be when you're giving mm-hmm. up that sort of power and what kiddos can do. That's t- petrifying to me. That's why um, we're doing the work now. So yeah. that when they do have that freedom, you, you as much as you're, it's scary, you feel pretty confident in your kids. I love that. Okay. Talk to us about birthday parties. The birthday party seasons are back. Sugar, candies, toys, um, gifting, um, all the dynamics of different circles. Like I just finding a lot of people don't know how to manage or even talk to their kids about birthday parties. Can you school us a bit? Yeah, I think birthday parties get to be whatever you want birthday parties to be. I always say to parents, don't do something that doesn't work for you. If something's a problem for you, change it. So if you don't want to succumb to the entire fancy loot bag and the thousand dollar birthday parties, don't do it. I, I we've, we've had those in our time, but we just had a COVID birthday party for my 10 year old son. And it was literally eight boys came over. They played hoops in the front yard for an hour. They had pizza in the backyard and cake. And then they played hoops again. It was the best birthday party I've ever done. I sent them home with a $10 Baskin Robbins gift card. They were all thrilled. It was easy. It was not a lot of work on my part. If it's a lot of work for you to plan a big birthday party, don't let pressure of society make you feel you have to do that. If your kids want a fancy birthday party, decrease the numbers. Don't invite the whole class. That whole class thing is crazy to me. Um, But that's where I think we have to sort of manage your expectations and your child's expectations by doing what works for you. I love that. Okay. Last but not least, let's talk about um, like this idea of conversations around boyfriends and girlfriends. I mean, my God, I'm there. I'm there right now, my friend. Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I mean, my kid's five and he's telling me Mia loves all the boys, all the boys kiss Mm -hmm. Mia. Mia has a boyfriend. I don't have a girlfriend, a girl, you know, like it's, it's getting already crazy and he's five. So I know your kid's a little bit older, but when we started talking about boyfriends and girlfriends and around, I don't want to say sexuality or body parts. I mean, we know we'd say, you know, my body, my choice, you know, da, da, da. I, I just, lots of like curiosity and questions for the like parents of younger kiddos, I find about genitalia and sexuality in general, but the boyfriend girlfriend conversation is definitely happening all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. I feel completely unprepared as a parent. So what's your go-to Tia? Yeah. So a lot of the things they're going to be talking about are things they've heard from somebody else because they have older siblings or they heard something on TV because yes, even though we have younger kids, they have iPads and they're on things and they are hearing things that we never heard as kids. Um, But I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that they have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's very, very innocent at that age. Um, And it's kind of nice that they're they're liking somebody and they're interested and they want to be friendly. But I think we want to have those conversations around everybody's our friends and how do we treat our friends and how do we treat people kindly and how do we respect people. And so one of the way things you can do is um, in the link in my Instagram bio is a children's book corner. I would get children's books on friendships and respect and emotions. And I would be reading books about that and then tying it into what your kids are coming home with. If they're coming home talking about girlfriends or boyfriends or bodies or you know, being in love, having conversations so that they can relate to those children's books. That's a great way for parents to 
open the door to communication, to use age appropriate language, and to help kind of talk about those bigger areas that we're not really always prepared to talk about. So that when your kids are 13, they know that talking about it is okay with mom and dad. That's the key. The key is, is that we talk and we talk and we talk because if we don't, all of a sudden you're, you're, you know, like my son texting somebody and it's his girlfriend. I don't even know how this happens. And they're saying, I love you. And he comes home with, I love you written on his arm. And I said, I said, you say, I love you. And he goes, well, we've been together a month. I've been together. You've gone for three walks, but anyhow, this is what happens. And so I want them to talk to me because there's going to be questions and there's going to be things coming up and first kisses. And if they can't talk to you at five or six, and we kind of shut it down because if we don't feel like it's okay, they're not going to yeah. talk to us when they're teenagers. I love that. I mean, that to me is like, that's also highlighted and understood. I wish there was like a university course for parenting where I guess maybe Tia, that's what you offer, right? It's like, let's give you the tools. And so many of our mm-hmm. parents, friends and family who are experts in this particular subset, people don't even realize that this is like a job, a career, an expertise yeah. until you cross this milestone when you become a parent and it's not just like keeping a kid alive you have to know how to negotiate these moments so i appreciate you t if there's one piece of advice you want people to hear if they hear nothing else if it's a repeat of what we said earlier what do you want them to know today i want them to know that parenting is not intuitive it's a learned skill so if you are going to try and figure it out with your intuition you're probably going to struggle If you want to actually create a really positive relationship with mutual respect without yelling and timeouts and negotiations and manipulations and bribery and rewards, and you want to say goodbye to all of that and create a relationship where you can really role model to your kids how you want them to act and grow and develop, um, then you need to know that it's not intuitive. It's a learned skill. Parenting truly, truly is a learned skill. So do not blame yourself if you feel like you're messing your kids up. Do not blame yourself if you feel like you're failing. You're not supposed to know how to do this. Um, But if you want to know how to do this, then I can show you step-by-step-by-step inside my coaching program. And that's where you can build that confidence and really make all those changes. Everybody, Tia Slightham, obviously this was rapid fire. She has so much wisdom, so much knowledge. If you want to find people, if people want to find you, Tia, how can they find you? Drop your coordinates, please. Yeah. So Instagram at Tia Parenting Coach, my website, tiaslightham.com. Definitely check out the link in my bio. I'm also on TikTok, almost to a million followers, which is exciting, which is um, at at uh, parenting coach. So there are multiple videos, free opportunities, um, lots of levels inside my coaching program. There's something for everybody. Remember one small change will change your life. So take a step, do something, um, and then let that snowball into the rest of your changes. Yeah. my God, Tia, your, your TikTok is blown up, which is banana. <laughs> Good for you. Um, okay, guys, thank you so much, Tia. Thank you for being here, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a great one. Bye, Tia. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Sick Kids is helping redefine what's possible in pediatrics. Also, children can lead healthier, happier lives. 
In 2021, Project Halo raised over $150,000 to help build a new sick kids, designed to better serve patients and families. This will include spaces devoted to parents and caregivers, spaces to feel calm, relief, and rest. We are calling on our community again this year to join us in helping build a state-of-the-art hospital. Together, there are no limits to what we can achieve. To learn more and to donate, go to fundraise.sickkidsfoundation.com backslash Project Mom Halo. Thank you for your generosity and support.